This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frasier Productions. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. A Shiro's day is never done. So let's start saving a little more now. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is The Deciders with Renee Frazier. I'm Renee Frazier. I'm the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications. We are the leading, largest woman-owned and woman-led advertising and communications firm in Southern California. And at Frazier, we specialize in changing behavior, growing brands, and positively impacting society. Our goal is to use communications to improve the world, so we're very purpose-driven. The Deciders is an opportunity to feature change agents and leaders in their field to offer advice and share stories. I find in this time of COVID-19 pandemic that we all need to listen to each other and gain support from others as we strengthen ourselves and seek to be as strong and as resilient as possible. It's been particularly hard with COVID-19 on businesses, how, how we can process and keep our people happy, keep our people engaged and working, and still, of course, manage to uh, make money and make a living and allow those people to uh, have a good living. That's been a challenge that a lot of us face. Um, I think it's important to give guidance and help people with a survival guide to get through this. Are there tips and pieces of advice that are helpful in this crisis? Well, we have someone today who does have some very important and valuable tips and advice. This is a business coach, and I have her book in front of me, which is called Work Your Assets Off, Stop Working So Hard in Business and in Life. Her name is Allison Tabor. Allison's a speaker, a facilitator, an executive coach, owner of Copia Advisory. That's her executive coaching firm. I mentioned the book that she's written. She's also a chapter chair for WPO, and many of my listeners have heard me talk about that. I'm a member of the organization. It's Women Presidents Organization, WPO. So Allison has some very insightful advice and examples to share with us today. Allison Tabor, welcome to The Deciders. Well, hello. It's very exciting for me to be on your show today. Well, Allison, I, I must say that when I read your book, I was impressed because you have a lot of insights that resonate with me as a business owner. And I think in this time of COVID-19, many of us are are searching for answers. Um, I know my WPO chapter has been a, a good source of, of uh, console and uh, cons- consultation and uh, letting us know that we all – have some fears and anxiety around this. Um, as we as we talk today, I'd like you to use the information and the insights that you've captured in the book and in your experience, but we'll do them in the context of COVID-19. Um, in this challenging time, let's talk about a couple of the things that apply. One of the, uh, one of the chapters I was impressed with was using the F word, and that is focus. Can you tell us more about why that is so important in this time? Uh, focus is very important. When we are faced with any type of a setback, whether it be an economic disruption, and certainly this is one on a very grand scale with the pandemic, faced with a lot of challenges, the opportunity for us to focus is huge, and there's so many, so many great aspects uh, that can come from doing that. For starters, when you're, when you're faced with the situation, you want to pause, and after you, you've recovered from, from this experience of, of shock, which is really is it's shock, and then everyone is starting mm-hmm. to pivot, you know, as you start to pivot, 
you can you can now use this as an opportunity to where to place your attention. And immediately the intention is, all right, what's going to happen now from now to this to the the state of when we reopen when that happens. Some businesses have started, some were essential, some are not essential, but it's anything but business as usual. So just like you have a strategy for starting your business, just like you have a strategy for growing your business, there should be a strategy for how you place your focus and how you prioritize. And that includes on your own strengths and the strengths of your team. Rather than focusing on where you are not enough, where your team is not enough, or trying to do all things for all people and react in ways that you're not necessarily informed, this is a really good time to focus on what matters most, what are your, mm-hmm. what are your strengths, what are your team's strengths, mm-hmm. and, and what are the gaps? It's like a, like a gap mm-hmm. analysis, if you will, of where are you today, where is it you're trying to go? And you might only be looking out the next, the next 30 days, the next 60 days. And, of right. course, you have your longer-term planning to follow after that. But focusing at this point is really for taking a good, good – uh, take a pause and assess not just your, your balance sheet, but really the strengths that you bring as a leader and the strengths that your team has to support you and what you're doing with your companies. Yes, I think you have to really uh, dig in. And uh, I, one of the things I did as a result of this is start to reevaluate how I spend my time. I used to spend about a third of my time networking and out in the community for the purpose of new business and building up our brand. And I'm obviously doing a lot less of that, doing some Zoom seminars and webinars and things. But I was conscious of the fact that I had to reallocate that time with focus. And it's interesting. One of my teammates uh, is now working. We are handling uh, communications with the Department of Public Health and the teammate who was in charge of research is now based in the Department of Public Health embedded there. So I had to pick up her responsibilities and focus my time on that work because it's uh, uh, income generating and it's you know in the pipeline, if you will. So there was like a refocusing of what I could do, but also an acknowledgement of what I can't do and identifying the right people, letting those people focus. I think the third thing that I had to consider was putting my time against helping the employees feel empowered and okay through this, because that's mm-hmm. another part of this, right, as a leader, considering mm-hmm. being empathetic for, for your colleagues. Well, there's certainly all of all businesses, and no matter what industry you're in, no matter the size, if you're a leader, this is the time that leaders are really going to build their brand as a leader with their own internal team, just like you have your brand within the community and with clients, you have an internal brand as a leader, and there's a huge opportunity to show up as the leader they want you to, to be. And that means being, being transparent. That, that means being communicative, letting them know, even if you don't have all the answers, like saying things like, we're not sure when we're going to open. And your safety is really important to us, so we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that when we do open that you're safe. Things like that, as opposed to going into a silo and getting silent because there's a, a sense of, I don't know what to say, I'm not sure you know, when we're going to do this and how we're going to do this. They don't expect to have everything spelled out. They just expect to have a leader that is taking a direction, that is demonstrating a sincere interest in them and their well-being, including if they are working from home, things like, how are, how are things going for you working from home? Is there anything that, 
that I can provide you with that would allow you to work more efficiently and more satisfactorily. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you have to over-communicate. You have to really work on communicating. You're right. The, the, the way I had typically operated is I wanted to come in confident and with answers and specific plans. But now I realize I have to admit ambiguity, uncertainty. Uh, we're looking at you know moving back in in July and going to do a survey with the employees to see what they would prefer in terms of different approaches. But we've got to be very... Um, uh, open that it, we, we don't have all the answers, but it's still all right to talk about it. You can still be a leader. One of the folks I interviewed talked about leading in the moment, where you're, you're just in that moment and you've got to kind of suck it up and be strong, and 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 empathetic, and, and also show your 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 humanity, right? As you were just saying, what That's about really- what about the notion of being great at being you versus being good at everything? Um, that's oh, another that's tendency a... when things start to fall apart. Oh, I'm going to do everything. I'll, I'll just do it all. Is that a good idea? Uh, it's, it, is, it is not a good idea for a lot of reasons. And I think this is what, is what happens is, especially for small business owners, when you when you have this entrepreneurial spirit, you know, there's a certain amount of grit and ability that usually you have to, to be in business, you know, uh, being in business for yourself. And that serves you to get started. That serves you to get traction. It doesn't serve you as you're trying to grow your business and to to really grow teams. So recognizing that you don't have to be great at everything. You just have to be great at being you. As a matter of fact, I use a term, I say, embrace your suck. When you're not good mm-hmm. at something, that's okay. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is actually a bit controversial because if you go out, and look at a lot of the books that are out there and, and podcasts and whatever your form of learning is, when you are out there absorbing information, you're fed a lot of information that tries to help, tries to help you by way of getting you to be better and better and better at certain things. It's almost like pounding you know, knowledge into you. Oh, let's just practice this 10,000 times and then you'll be an expert. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's a, that is one way of approaching being good at things is where you just keep repeating it again and again over years or, or multiple times, or you can be better at being you, which is, well, what are you, what are you naturally uh, inclined to do and what gives you gratification? Where are you when you're in your zone? What is it you're doing? How do you leverage what you're naturally good at? And the same holds true for your team. So if you mm-hmm. love being with people and perhaps less on working on, let's say, analytics, well, why would you want to put your time and energy into the analytics when someone on your team may just love to play with all of the analytics while you're interacting with people? So Yeah, the typical uh, rationale, particularly as a small business, is, well, I don't want to hire another person, or I don't, rather than pay a freelancer to do that assignment, I'll do it and save the money. Right. But the quality can suffer. You're not doing what you're really good at, right? So you actually may end up losing in the long run when you make those choices. Yes, that's that's short-sighted, and and that's that's a trap that that people do fall into. It's one thing when you're first starting your business. When you're a startup, clearly you may not have all the resources and and everything at your fingertips to to just start and have everything. So you might at the beginning have this period of time where you're juggling all the balls and you're doing things. But as soon as possible, you want to start to shift. And really, the number one focus for any leader should be on growing their business. strategic, not being operational, Mm -hmm. not being down in the weeds. It should be thinking Mm -hmm. about 
the future. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? How are we going to get there? Also on the keeper of culture, I feel leaders really, there's certain things that really can't be abdicated or delegated, really. That's, that's the responsibility for the strategic direction of, of your business and also for setting culture, which includes how you show up as a leader. Everything point, else very can be delegated point. to the skills of your team. Right, exactly, and and I, you know, obviously it makes your team feel really good. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky. We have like a three percent turnover. Our team's been with us a long time, and my senior team in particular. And I think a lot of it is um, being willing to let them do what they do well, and uh, recognizing my my background, as I mentioned earlier, is research, and I'm a psychologist. So people see me, the clients. I don't have to know everything about social media. I'm not supposed to know how to produce. You know, a, a TikTok a video. I have people who know how to do all those things. So, your 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 um, personality and characteristics and your what you bring of value may be uh, not the doer, but the overseer and the quality control person who understands what is needed by a, from a client for a client, and then identifying those resources. I, you you say in your book that shift happens when leveraging the team. What does that mean, leveraging the team? Well, very much like what you were just sharing, you, you have different you have different people on your team that bring different different gifts. It could be their skills, their personalities, uh, their talents, their 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 energy. Whatever you have on your team, you want to be able to understand and assess your team, and then you really want to be able to leverage it in terms of uh, what it is you're creating, whether it's for the client experience or your own internal experience. And I see a lot of this, the, actually some really great analogies in, in sports. If you think about it from the, from the perspective of if you're watching a team play sports, let's just say baseball, you don't have the first, first baseman go run over to third plate to try and catch a ball. You don't, you don't mm-hmm. see the pitcher turn around and run out to the outfield. And this is, this is what we do often in business where we, we get very, I would say the roles and responsibilities may get blurry and it, our communication may not be clear about who's responsible for what or I can do this but so-and-so can do this as well and I, we both share that responsibility. So when you're not really clear on what your role is and your team doesn't know where to be and what they're expected to do and you're not managing expectations, you can have a lot of chaos. If if you look at the business as a team, a sports team, as opposed to a family, and actually this mm-hmm. comes straight from, from it was a really great uh, quote from Jack Clark, who I met was the Cal rugby coach, and I asked him what sets apart you know, a championship team that he took you know, year after year to, to championship. He said, well, we're not a family. Families can be dysfunctional. We are a well, you know, highly functioning, you know, well-oiled machine. I said, well, what makes you so? What, how, how is that? He said, well, everybody has a very clear role. They know what part they play in our, in our collective success. And they have to be good at that. So I'm not going to have someone fill a role on our team that's not good at that and likes that and is held accountable to that. So it's a very good point. Leveraging strengths. This is, this is what I'm referring to, is identifying each person's individual contribution to the greater whole and, and bringing mm-hmm. that together. So you align the skills and their abilities, their interests to those things that, that they, they are contributing to the, to the team as a whole. I think that's a really good advice because there is a tendency to say we, we feel like a family and, and people have each other's backs, which is important, but doesn't mean you have the same skill set. So people being very good at focused at what they do and do it well, 
that's that, that's it's demonstrated to customers and clients. They see that level of expertise, and that adds real value to your organization. Now, when you when you think about um, uh, as a as a leader, and you think about the women presidents organization, uh, we we all know that part of what we have to do is identify our own tribe, our own group of people, mm-hmm. our own networks. How can a network be an asset in in this COVID nineteen era? Wow, I think it's probably more of an asset now than ever. Uh, and I've always thought having a strong network is is your best asset. And I'm not talking about a network where you go to an event and and you're socializing and handing out business cards. That's that's not the definition of networking. Networking really uh, is about building a tribe. I love the word that you just used. And, and WPO happens to be a tribe. There are other types of tribes. But it's really aligning yourself with professionals that you know can support you and you support them, uh, in, both personally and professionally. So it's really aligning aligning yourself with people who you know are interested in your success as well as yours and theirs. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stay in, in daily contact with every single person you, you meet, but it's bringing value to every interaction. So when you're meeting someone, it, does, it doesn't need to look like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Sally. This is what I do. Here's my card. And I see that. And it's, it's, it's yes, I know. It's, it's terrible. Uh, right, it's, right. Yeah. Like a, and then give me something in return. I'm looking. I want, a, I want a sale. I want your business. It has to be about building a long-term relationship. Exactly. Right? You're bringing value, like you said. Networking is, is essentially it's, it's the opportunity to start a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you have an opportunity to start a relationship in lots of different ways. And when you meet someone for the first time, it, it only takes them three to seven seconds before they've formed a, an opinion of you. So if you're standing there and talking about yourself and, and handing them a card, that's not the best first impression. That's, that's going to be a harder road in front of you to, to build a relationship. So actually okay. networking is, is just being comfortable in the company of another person and getting Mm -hmm. to know that person. And I like to think of it as just being curious, sincerely Mm -hmm. curious, you know, asking Mm -hmm. questions like you really want to know, not what Mm -hmm. you're asking a question and then looking over their shoulder as who else is in the room or looking at your watch of like, I asked you a question, but I'm really worried about what time it is or, you know, I have other things to do. And, and even now using technology, since we're not together as much, right? We, We are, unless you're, you're in essential business, you're, you're not, physically in contact with people, you can still network. And as an example, I'm on four Zoom networking groups a week. And they're connected to, I have two with my WPO uh, groups. I have two with business groups that I am a part of. And this is not about, hey, do you have business for me? This is about Hi, how are you? What can, what's going on in your world? How can I support you? What are your challenges? How are you handling it? It's exchanging mm-hmm. ideas and support. And through that, you build alliances and you build, you build what I would say is it's an unpaid sales force. Mm-hmm. You have raving fans that want to do nothing else but support you. And, and whether it's sending you opportunities or, or just helping you so you're better at what you do, your network becomes your unpaid unpaid sales force and, and, you know, fan club. Absolutely. Because those people then when, when there's an opportunity, they'll recommend you and, and uh, people, the, the adage is very true. People like to do business with people they like, you know, so you get to know people and get friendly with them and they, and you know them as a person. 
Uh, I think that's the other thing that you're you're in a relationship with them uh, because of the value they bring, not because of the sales opportunity. And you're sharing with them, particularly as you said in these times, being empathetic and understanding what they're going through, sharing what your concerns are, and uh, and maybe solutions you found or or things you're trying to tackle. Uh, I, I like that. I'm in uh, at least two Zoom events a week. I'd like to do more, but I have to say you have to stay focused, right? You have to pay attention. You can't be uh, letting your eyes wander and going back down to your phone to look at your emails all the time. And people can gauge if you're truly um, a part of it or or you're just uh, superficially there. Right? Yeah, no, you, you have need to, to be, be present. Engaged. If you're not present, yeah. then you're better off not showing up if you can't show up in the form where you're actually you're completely engaged. And I do see that on Zoom. You know, there are some Zoom interactions that are, are fantastic and others that are pretty pretty awful. I, I think it has a lot to do with who's who's leading the Zoom rooms and how you're handling it. You can do lots of fun things where you can break out in exercises and have more intimate conversations with people. Uh, but if you're on a call and there's 80 people and and everybody's looking off in the distance or multitasking, that's that's not a meeting that I stay on. I'm I'm gone. I agree. I agree. Yes, and you can go into separate rooms and uh, tackle some issues or problems. Come back and do share outs uh, into the group in the group, which is a great tool to use. We also use surveys just to get you know the opinion of everyone. We did one sure. last night on cybersecurity, uh, giving people tips on cybersecurity with uh, two uh, experts that are in a, a group I'm in called the Trusteeship, and everybody loved it. There were about thirty of us, and everybody learned something and they shared what they you know what they took away from it so it, it, we made it as interactive as possible you know we're, we're getting close to the end Allison, and I want to talk about resilience because that's so important in this time what advice do you have for people about strengthening their resilience and, and being resilient especially as a boss or as a leader okay well I, personally I think the most important thing to think about with resilience is really your response, your reaction to what's happening. There is no doubt so much for us to be overwhelmed with, concerned about, uh, and it's not to negate that. It's not to say, oh, just make light of it and pretend that everything is, is, is just business as usual. We know it's business as unusual. We get that. That's the reality. Resilience has a lot to do with how you process what's happening, how you pivot and how you focus on the, all that is necessary to move forward because we can get stuck and we could start feeling sorry for ourselves. We can start to create more negativity. So even if negative things are happening all around us, it's what we do with it, how we respond to that situation. And that's really the, the key to managing your energy is really to manage your outlook. It's to manage your, your, your mindset. So I think there's some mind work that needs to happen. It's not just disciplining yourself with your to-do list. It's disciplining what thoughts are you allowing to go in your head and, and redirecting your thoughts so that they're constructive and that you can build on that and really turning the noise down. There's a lot of noise. Just like the news is mm-hmm. just like turn your turn your own internal dialogue down mm-hmm. or feed your mm-hmm. dialogue with positive affirming uh, thoughts and beliefs and back it up with the actions that put you in alignment with that. But it starts with your so There's nothing wrong with uh, uh, using meditation, for example, to try to get centered and using breathing to calm yourself down and using visualizations to create a more positive, optimistic attitude, right? You can, there are things you can practice. There's a app I talk about called Calm that's mm-hmm. available for free now here in, in Los Angeles. And uh, it's a way to, uh, 
help, uh, as you said, strengthen your inner being and your and control the, the thoughts you put in your mind. Because I think you're right. If you're watching the news and all the anxiety comes at you and the uncertainty, it starts to impact the way you feel. And people yes. don't realize that the, what they say and the affirmations, the words they use, actually come back. Uh, one of the employees shared a uh, session with Oprah where she said, I am. Think about that phrase, I am. She says, I used to be, I am tired. I am worn out. I am exhausted. I am tired of these people. She realized, I can't say that. I am taking a few extra breaths. I am happy that I have this opportunity. You know, just re rephrasing what you say about yourself puts those positive thoughts into your mind. Absolutely. I love that you suggested yes, breathing, yes on meditation, yes on positive affirmation. And one I would like to add to that is having an active practice of gratitude. When you put your place, you put your, your focus on all that you're grateful for, in the midst of any crisis, no matter what's going on, look for, find the things you're grateful for, acknowledge them, because it does create neural pathways. There's actually science that talks about how you can rewire right. your brain through the practice of gratitude. Exactly right. And writing down the things you're grateful every night, three things you're grateful for, and reading that journal. This has been terrific, Alice, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Getting your mind around gratitude is one of the ways to find your inner strength, and it fuels you, gives you that feeling. And I, I recommend everybody try these things. I also recommend they look at your book and uh, buy that. It's Work Your Assets Off. This has been Allison Tabor. As I mentioned, she's an executive coach and an expert in helping businesses. She's also a chapter head for WPO up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Thank you for joining us, Allison. I very much appreciate having you on the show. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. As you know, this is Renee Fraser from Fraser Communications. I mentioned we have a full-service advertising communications firm, including crisis communications. If you're interested, contact us at FraserCommunications.com to learn more, you can hear this radio show and others on our website, FraserCommunications.com. Take care of yourself, stay, stay safe, and learn focus, gratitude, and as we talked about before, make sure you leverage and give credit to the team you work with. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. This is a message from Dr. Barbara Ferrer of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. One of the most powerful tools we have to slow the spread of COVID-19 is physical distancing. When you're out of your house, please stay at least six feet away from all other people and wear a cloth face covering. Learn more at publichealth.lacounty.gov. To learn more about how you can protect yourself from COVID-19, go to publichealth.lacounty.gov. Brought to you by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frazier Productions. 